Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. It is so good to see all of you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy and I'm one of the pastors here at Joy. For those of you that are joining us online, I just want to say uh, welcome to you. And also, I want to say thank you to all of you for joining us live right here in St. Cloud. Why don't you give yourselves a hand? Today, we are on part two of a series that we have called The Road to the Final Four. Now, when I think of the Final Four, there is one basketball team in particular that sticks out to me, and that is the Michigan Wolverines Fab Five. Now, this basketball team is much like any other basketball team that you know of. Uh, there was a little chip on their shoulder. Um, they thought they were all big and bad. And, you know, kind of all of those typical things that we use to characterize a basketball team. The differences between this basketball team and many of the college basketball teams that we know of is that these guys actually were good. And these guys were all, yeah, these guys were all freshmen. It was basically unheard of in college basketball to start five freshmen for a team, and these guys did that. Their coach took a risk, and the risk paid off very well for them. So initially, there was a lot of doubters, a lot of people that thought there's no way this team is going to be any, anywhere as good as what people are you know, saying they could be. But as their first season went along, people started becoming believers, and they thought you know, they might actually do something here. They might actually even make it to the final four. And they did just that. The first game they won, the second game, the championship game, they ended up losing 71 to 51. Uh, that was not a good experience for the Fab Five. And as with any college uh, type of, of game when a team loses the championship, the reporters are all about asking the players if they're going to come back for the next year. If they're going to come back for the next year. Are they going to try this again? So the Fab Five decided we can't go out as second. We got to try this again. So they go through their sophomore year and they end up uh, getting to the final four again. They won the first game and then the second game, this time they scored 71 points. The problem was the team they were playing against scored 77 points and they lost again. The Fab Five, to my knowledge, never ended up playing together again. One of the, the, the main players ended up leaving to go to the NBA that next year. And, you know, when we think about the Fab Five, there's several things that come to mind. They were a great team. They did a lot of awesome things. They, they created a lot of trends that are still followed today in basketball. But they're also known as something else, a team that never finished. A team that never finished. Now, I would like to think that this is only a struggle that collegiate players end up dealing with, but I realize that it's something also middle-aged guys living in central Minnesota also deal with. So a few years ago, I went to a grad party of a student that uh, grew up right here at Joy. And at the grad party, there was a basketball hoop. And that made me really excited. And it wasn't too long after I had my two sandwiches and some chips and a bottle of water. It's probably actually a wild cherry Pepsi, but we won't, we won't talk about that. So it wasn't too long after I got done eating that I grabbed a basketball and started shooting. 
And as I was shooting, I saw a friend of mine by the name of Tony come down the driveway with his family. And so I instantaneously started talking to Tony like, hey, Tony, let's, let's play. Let's shoot around a little bit. Now, Tony is a very competitive guy. And I'm also a pretty competitive guy. So shooting around and just talking to each other isn't going to last long. Pretty soon we're going to be competing against each other. And at our age, that turned into horse. You know what I'm saying? Okay, all right. That turned into playing horse. So, so we're shooting, and I end up taking a, a pretty substantial lead towards the beginning of the game. But there was a problem. I just couldn't finish Tony off. Like, I was playing really well, and he just kept making his shots, kept making his shots. And it was so irritating because I had such a big lead. Eventually, Tony ends up catching up, and I'm telling myself, you know, this is not good. This is not how this is supposed to go. People are watching. They really weren't, but, you know, that's kind of how, how I was feeling. Tony ends up beating me. And now I've lost horse games before. I've, I've even lost to my wife. She's a great shot. So I've lost horse games before, but the problem with this one was that I was supposed to have won. All the things were stacked in my favor. I had a huge lead. What, what would it have been to just make one more shot, yet I just couldn't finish? A few weeks later, I went to the YMCA. I heard that there's like 18,000 people that are members at the YMCA. Um, if you want to join them, you can. They don't all show up, trust me. Um, so I'm at the Y, and I'm, I'm playing a pickup game, and uh, I actually ended up playing very well. I sunk three three-pointers. We were playing up to 15. Whatever team gets 15 first, they win, and um, I got a chance to make the winning basket. It was just this little reverse layup, a shot that I could make, you know, one-handed with a foot tied around my back. You know, it, it wouldn't have been any issue, so I shot it and thought, for sure it's going in. Because that's the shot that's going to win the game for us. And it rimmed out on me. And so I'm running back down the court like, how did that happen? How, how did I miss that shot? So we play defense. The next time we're on offense, I get the ball for another three. And before I even shoot the ball, some of my teammates go, game. Because they just assumed, and me too, I assumed that the ball was just going to go in because I was having that type of, of a game, pickup game at the Y, but it still counts. <laughs> and I missed again. Now, I, I want to let you know that the memory of me not being able to beat Tony in the horse game starts coming back to me. And these ideas of, Tommy, you play so well, but you just can't finish. You can't make it happen. And I thought, oh, I don't like that thought. That's not a very positive thought for me to be thinking. But we ended up winning, and it wasn't because of me. A teammate of mine scored, and, and that was great, and that was nice. But there was a problem because I just felt like I should have been able to finish. Now, I would love to tell you that finishing, you know, begins and ends when it comes to sports. But the truth of the matter is we deal with this problem of finishing in almost every area of our lives. For instance, how many times do we start a book? How many times do we start a book convinced that we're going to read the whole thing through only to just be like, you know what, I'm done with this. Many times we don't even make it to the last chapter, do we? Or how many times do we set out to cleaning the car, like really cleaning the car, the, the outside and the inside? 
And then we get about to the point where we're going to start and we just realize, you know, we're just going to take it through the cheapest car wash we can find. And, and you know, that, that'll be fine, right? How many times do we really want to finish paying off a bill? Anyone there? You really want to, okay, no one's raising their hands. How many of you want to finish off paying a bill? Okay, all right. And we get the extra money. We're like, oh, we can just throw the money towards it and we can be done and we don't need to see that crazy envelope come in our mailbox anymore. And yet we take the extra money and we use it to just buy something else, don't we? How many times do we go into the weekend with a plan of all of the things that we are going to accomplish or finish? How many times are we like, oh, I got the whole weekend, the kids are away, I can do a whole bunch of stuff, and yet we end up sitting on the couch with a bowl of popcorn, and and here's the thing, we never struggle with finishing the popcorn, do we? (laughs) The popcorn always gets finished, and we go, oh, I'll I'll take care of it next weekend. How many times do we tell ourselves, we're going to be a better spouse, going to be a better parent. I'm going to be a better child. I'm going to be a better student. I'm going to be a better employee. And yet all of those things, even though we, we mean so well, they end up going unfinished, don't they? So because of all of those things, I decided to put together a list of things that I would love for you and I to consider when it comes to helping us be better finishers at life. So there's a list of things we're going to go through that hopefully when we apply those things to our lives, we'll become a better finisher than we are right now. So the first thing I would like you to consider is this. Half-built tree houses turn into half-baked business plans or business ideas. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if, if you were a kid that struggled with staying attentive to putting a puzzle together or finishing a whole Lego set. If you were the kid that left the dinner table before you finished all your food. If you were the kid that was playing Connect Four by yourself and yet you stopped playing before you ever actually connect the fourth one. If, if you were that type of young person, you need to understand when you get older, those habits don't just stop in your life. Those things just don't end. You carry those trends or those habits throughout every stage of your life unless you make a direct decision to change those things. So if you're doing things halfway now, chances are when you get older, you're going to continue to doing things just halfway because that's just the habit you've created in your life. In light of that, The second thing I want you to consider is this, is to create a habit of finishing. Create a habit of finishing. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you're reading a book, hopefully you're not reading it right at this moment, but if you're in the process of reading a book, finish the book. If you're in the process of watching the fourth season of everybody's favorite show, Lost, finish out the show. Now, you're not going to be happy when it ends, but finish out the show. If you're halfway done of taking off the Christmas decorations, 
finish taking off the Christmas decorations. So what am I getting at here? I'm getting at if you make a habit of finishing all of these little things you start, you're going to build something in you called momentum. And that means when you come across something that you would really rather not finish, you'll tell yourself, you know what, for the last week, for the last month, for the last three years, I've finished every single book I've started. So I'm going to make sure I finish this book too. If you're listening to a podcast, at the, at the very time you think to yourself, this has nothing for me, chances are that's right when there's going to be something for you. Finish what you start. Another thing I want you to consider is this. Finishing is not a gift that people are just given. People don't get born and just have a natural gift of being able to finish. Finishing is tied to something that we all love called work. It's called work. If we want to be a finisher, we need to put forth work in order to get it done. It's not just going to magically happen. And, and I need you to understand this. It doesn't just magically happen for the people that you wish you could be like. You need to put forth work if you want to be a finisher. Another thing I want you to consider, and this, this could get a little interesting, so I please, please, I, I pray that you will, you'll hear me out on this. Have you ever been around someone that at work, they're like Johnny on the spot. They like do everything when asked. Like when a task is presented to them or an opportunity is presented to them or the boss comes to them and says, hey, I need you to do this. It doesn't matter what it is. They, they, they do it. You know anyone like that? Just like, oh, you know, what do you need? What do you need me to do? And they, they do it all the time, right away. They do it even before they're supposed to do it. And yet when they're home, someone's already laughing. <laughs> when we're home, it's like, who is this person? Right? Some, some of you wives are thinking, you know, honey, if, if you listen to me about as much as you listen to your boss, we're in trouble. Because evidently, all the things that I ask you to do or plead with you to do, that just goes undone. Anybody with me? Like, it's like, who are you? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little insight as to why that ends up happening. You see, at work... If we don't do what we're asked to do, if we don't do what we're voluntold to do, if we don't do what our boss requires of us or asks of us, we will have a very uncomfortable meeting. And potentially at the end of that uncomfortable meeting, we will be invited to never show up again. When we are at home, we're around people that said for better, for worse. When we're at home, we're around people that are supposed to love us anyway, to love us in our good days and our bad days. So here's the thing. A lot of our finishing is attached to a potential penalty that we see down the road if we don't do what we're supposed to do when we do it. So I'm not encouraging you to, to draw up a bunch of penalties like, honey, if, if you don't do this, I get to go on vacation. That might work. <laughs> or if you don't do this, you need to give me 20 bucks. You know, those type of things. I'm not encouraging you to do that, but I need you to understand if that is you. 
If the reason why you don't do things in certain environments and then you do a whole bunch of things in other environments is because there's an attached penalty to the things if you don't do it. Um, we have charter uh, internet and cable at our home. And if you're one day late of paying your, your charter bill, they like charge you $25 or $15 extra. Like non-negotiable, done. How many of you know that bill is paid on time? Right? Because there's a penalty if you don't. So you make sure you do that on time. Make sure it's there in time because if it's not, you get a penalty. So oftentimes we respond to these penalties. And when there isn't any penalties, we just, oh. So consider that for a moment. Another thing to consider is the one, three, five principle. Some of you might be aware of this. Some of you might not. But the one, three, five principle, it's very simple. Tackle one big thing a day. Tackle three medium things a day. And tackle five small things a day. If where you work, you're able to kind of dictate your schedule, what you do or what you don't do, this will help you be a finisher. At home, over the weekend, if you attach this principle to wanting to get things done, okay, we're going to tackle one big thing, we're going to tackle three medium things, and five small things over the weekend, your weekend is going to be a ton more productive. It's up to you. A little insight, though, to that is this. Tackle your least favorite medium project before lunch. Tackle your least favorite medium project before lunch because then it'll springboard you. It'll give you some momentum for the rest of your day so that you're like, wow, I did this and I did this and I did the thing I really hate to do. Now I get to do all the fun stuff. One, three, five principle. The last thing I want you to consider is this. Our intentions and our actions oftentimes are not the same. Our intentions and our actions are oftentimes not the same. Honey, I intended to buy you flowers. Or, boss, boss, I intended to do it yesterday, but then I got a phone call and different things happened and, and I, and I wasn't, wasn't able to do that. I intended to bring home dinner, I just forgot. I intended to call you on your birthday. Anyone ever have that conversation? But the day kind of got, got away from me. And so, so I'm calling you one day late. But that's, that's okay. That's, that, that's fine. Our intentions and our actions don't, don't oftentimes equal. So here's what I want you to understand. Your intentions is the person you want to be. Your actions is the person that you, uh, that you actually are. So who you intend to be is really who you dream to be, who you would love to be. But your actions are really who you are. And the people that know you best will understand the differences between the two. So what I'd like to do is encourage you to consider these things when it comes to your work life. Consider them when they come to your home life. Consider them when it comes to your relationship life. And hopefully you will become a better finisher as a result. So, Tommy, why, why are we going through all of these things? What, what is the purpose of helping me be a better employee, a better this, a better that? It's because a lot of these trends and a lot of these patterns that we see actually end up showing up in our spiritual life, too. In our relationship with God. So, 
Think about this for a moment. If you struggle with coming to, to church on a regular basis, and what do I mean by regular basis? I mean uh, whether you come once a month or you come every other week or, or you try to be here every single Sunday. If you struggle with coming to church on a regular basis, chances are, might not always be true, but chances are we probably also struggle with, with doing our Bible reading plan. I mean, there's so many people that have this one-year Bible reading plan. Like, this year, I'm going to read the whole entire Bible from, from front to back, and it's going to be great. But if we struggle with one area of being committed to doing something, chances are we're going to struggle in another. If we struggle with being able to finish out uh, being a part of a small group here at Joy, if we struggle with the commitment of, of coming every night, on Monday nights, I'm a part of the beanbag small group, and it is so much fun. Um, it, it feeds that competitive side of me, and it also humbles me because every time I think I'm good, I find out how terrible I am. Is anyone, anyone you know, you, you can understand that. So it's an awesome, awesome time, and, and I'll tell you, Monday nights is a commitment. There's plenty of Monday nights that I think, oh, I'd just like to be home. I just like to throw my sweatpants on, right? And now, now I got to, and then I think, okay, well, I'll just wear sweatpants to small group. I can do that. So. <laughs> so if we struggle with being committed to the small group, we're going to struggle with being committed to, to a team here for serving. Those, those things end up tying together. How many times have we had the conversation with God? God, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to make sure I do this. This is the last time I do it. And we struggle with finishing out those, those big, huge, grandiose plans that we present to God, don't we? We struggle with those things. So, so here's the thing I, I want you to be aware of. You're in good company because we're, we're kind of all in the same boat. There's all types of things that we struggle with finishing. And, and there's different areas of our life where we wish we were better and maybe we aren't. And it's the same with our spiritual life as well. But I want to read something to you that hopefully will bring some encouragement to you. It's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. I am certain that God, who began this good work in you, will bring that good work to a finish. So, so what does that mean for you and me? That means when we first put our faith in Jesus, we put our hope and our trust in him, we made Jesus our Lord and Savior. We made the most crucial decision you'll ever make in your whole entire lifetime as to what you will do with the person of Jesus. And you decided to make him your Lord and Savior. When you do that, Something starts within you, knowingly or unknowingly, but it's the work of God to, to create this good work within you that he is faithful to bring to a finish. So what does that good work entail? It entails taking, taking myself and taking you as messed up and crazy as we are and making us more like Jesus himself. That's, that's the process we're talking about. That is the good work. Now here's the thing. There are so many times where that is an easier process, and there are so many times where that process is terrible, isn't it? It's just brutal. It's like, Jesus, I'm sure you had a moment where you lashed out at your coworkers, or you did something you had to have, because I can't take this fact that you want me to be just calm and content and peaceful. And Jesus is like, 
No, 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 no. You can be that person. It's just going to take work. I'm doing a good work within you. Well, it doesn't always feel good, Jesus. You can be real with him. He can take that. We, we would transform our spiritual life if we decided to be real with God. And just tell him how it feels. Tell him what we're thinking. He's going to then tell you how he feels and how he's thinking, just, just to let you know that's a two-way street. <laughs> this, is, this is a bonus. Um, you, will, you will double your prayer life if you decide to be quiet at some point and let, let God do some talking to you. That is a bonus. So it's hard. It's hard. This process is hard. This good work is hard. Here, here's the problem. We, we end up quitting on God. We quit on him before the work is ever finished. And that's really sad because God is going to help us. He's going to help our lives be better. And he's going to help us get better at life. I'll say that again. He's going to help our lives be better. And he's going to help us be better at life. But so many times we quit before we ever get there. Or we get so tired of experiencing the opposite of it that we don't think we're ever going to get to the other side. So then we're just, we're just done. Don't quit on the good work, the process that God started in you when you first made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. So I want to uh, share with you a, an event that is uh, written in the book of Matthew. And we're going to focus on that pretty much for the rest of our time together today. So Matthew, for those of you that don't know him, he was one of the original disciples of Jesus, the original 12. So, so what does that mean to you? It means Jesus went up to 12 individuals and asked them to come follow him. In a sense, to come have a front row seat of anything and everything that I do. And guess what? As I'm doing that, I'm preparing you to then go and do the same for other people. That was Matthew. Matthew journeyed with Jesus day in and day out and experienced all the miracles we hear about. Matthew did not walk on water, but trust me, he watched Peter be an idiot and think that he was going to do it himself. And Matthew was in the boat like, yep, see, I told you you would sink. I told you you would sink. Matthew was there. Matthew was there when Jesus brought people back to life. Matthew was there 30 plus years after Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. Matthew writes a first-hand account of all of the experiences he had. And the reason why he did it is not so he could personally remember them. It's so people after him could come to have faith and knowledge of who Jesus is and who he can be for all of us. So today we're going to read something that Matthew wrote down for you and I to hopefully benefit from. So please pay attention to the words that we're going to read. It starts in Matthew chapter 15, verse 29. It says, After Jesus returned, he walked along um, Lake Galilee and then climbed a mountain and took his place ready to receive visitors. They came, tons of them, bringing along the paraplegic, the blind, the maimed, the mute, all sorts of people in need, and more or less threw them down at Jesus' feet to see what he would do with them. So, it's important to me that you understand, visually understand what is happening here. Jesus crawls up along a mountainside around the Sea of Galilee, absolutely beautiful place. I hope to see it someday. And he's just sitting there waiting for the people to come. 
And I'm sure he could see them kind of making their way. And as these people are coming, it's rather interesting because they did not come hoping to hear Jesus share some great story or some parable about, you know, some father and a son that left and then the son comes back or, or different, different stories that Jesus, they didn't come to hear Jesus teach them. They came because they had needs. They came because they had problems. Dude was a paraplegic. This one doesn't have an arm. This one can't see. This one's sick. This one no one wants to touch because no one knows what's wrong with them. These people had problems. And it says basically that they were thrown down at Jesus' feet. Like, here you go, Jesus. Now, now do something about this. We heard you can, but now we'd like to see it for ourselves. So here we go. It's rather interesting. All right, so we'll continue. It says, he healed them. When the people saw the mutes speaking, the maimed healthy, the paraplegics walking around, the blind looking around, they were astonished and let everyone know that God was blazingly alive among them. So here's, here's what's so interesting to me about this. They come, they travel from who knows where, for how long, to Jesus, to have Jesus do one specific thing, heal them. And then they're astonished that it actually happened. I'd be like, thank you, Jesus, because I came a long way. Be like, I knew you could do it, but they were astonished, like, oh my gosh, I guess this whole God thing is actually real. This is crazy. It's like, well, I'm happy it worked out for you. So all of these people get all of their needs met, everything. Think about the paraplegic that's getting hauled by his friends, like, hey, we're going to take you somewhere. Where are you taking me? Oh, this guy named Jesus. Um, just so you know, Jesus was a very common name. That's like Joe. Okay? Like, you take, who's this Joe? What are you taking me? Who, what? I'm out here in the sun. I was in the shade, you know, type thing. Why are you bringing me along this way? And they're saying, it's okay, it's okay, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. We're going to see if he can heal you. And then all of a sudden it happens. Dude walks home carrying his friends because they fainted. They're like, it actually worked. Best day in that guy's life, right? The blind can all of a sudden see all these great things. So it's like, pack up your bags, honey. We're going home. We're going to go have some dinner. We're going to eat really good tonight. But Jesus wasn't finished with them. But Jesus wasn't finished with them. He meets all their needs, meets all their expectations, does everything everyone thought would be impossible I'm thinking Jesus is like, this was a good day at the office, guys. Like, I hope you were paying attention. Did you see that one thing that I did with that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday you'll be able to do that too. And then we just send them on home. But, but it says Jesus wasn't finished with them. They had all they were hoping for. But Jesus had yet to give them everything he felt they needed. So it continues. He called his disciples and said, I hurt for these people. For three days now they've been with me and now they have nothing to eat. I can't stand or I can't send them away without a meal. They'd probably collapse on the road. It's like I just made this guy walk and now, I'm, now he's going to collapse on the road. That's not going to be good. His disciples said, but where, is this or, but where in this deserted place are you going to dig up enough food for a meal? 
Jesus answered, how much bread do you have? Some of you are thinking, this is kind of a familiar story. Yes, but this is completely different circumstance. Seven loaves, they said, plus a few fish. At that, Jesus directed the people to sit down. He took the seven loaves and the fish. After giving thanks, he divided it up, gave it to the people. Everyone ate. They had all they wanted. Isn't it interesting? It's like they thought they had all they wanted. They thought they had everything they needed. Now there's food. I want food, right? I want food. It took seven, or it took seven large baskets to collect the leftovers. Over 4,000 people ate their fill at that meal. After Jesus sent them away, he climbed in the boat and crossed over to some place called Hills. Jesus was not finished with them. He wasn't finished with them. And he is not finished with us. He wasn't finished with them, and he is not finished with us. Now, some of you have some absolutely incredible stories. You were once filled with anger and rage and just... And now you've been, you've been relieved of that anger and that, that rage. And now you're kind of like an even cool cat. Like, wow, you know, you're, 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 you're all right. What's happened? What's changed? Now, some of us get so excited. See, I'm not angry anymore. I'm, I don't, I don't want to punch the walls anymore. Praise God. But don't think that he's finished with you there. He wants to then bring joy into your life. Sure, you were once angry. Now you're not angry. Don't, don't just check off the box and be like, okay, I'm done now. Thank you, Jesus. No, Jesus wants to bring now joy into your life. For those of you that have maybe been addicted to different things, God's plan for you, his ultimate plan for you, isn't just to make you unaddicted. It's to then get you hooked on the right stuff. The good stuff. There isn't a problem with being addicted to Jesus. There isn't a problem with being addicted to doing good things and helping people. There is a problem with being addicted to bad things that bring destruction to your life and to everyone else's life around you. So it's not enough to just go, hey, honey, I haven't had a sip of alcohol in three years. Now, now um, I, I have not dealt with, with alcohol in my life, so, so I... But I understand, I understand how big of an accomplishment that is. But don't think you're done just because you're sober. Some of you now, you're not making decisions between what, what, is, what is good and what's wrong. Like, wrong is no longer an option to you. Praise God. God has accomplished a lot of great things in your life. But he wants to move you between making decisions between what is good and what is best. He wants to keep working on you. Keep working in your life. And he doesn't only want to work in your life. For those of you online, he wants to work through your life. For those of you joining us here live, he doesn't want to work just in you. He wants to work through you. The process continues. He isn't finished with us yet. There's a part of Philippians 1.6 that I left out. 
says this, says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finished or finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you're alive, you ain't finished yet. If you have your last breath on this earth before Jesus Christ comes back again, you're done. You get to enter into your eternal reward. But for those of us, you're breathing. God isn't finished with you yet. It doesn't matter how much you have done, how many missionaries you've supported, how many mission trips you've gone on, how much money you've given to joy to the world, or how many small groups you've led, or how many different people you've served with on the dream team. He isn't finished with you yet. And to think he's finished, well, basically it's like saying, hey, if Jesus was standing here and I was here, I'd look just like him. That's the goal. I got a long way to get to Jesus. Anyone else? That means, that means there's a lot of work that needs to happen in Tommy's life. So what do we need to consider? We need to consider what the half-built tree houses are in our lives when it comes to God. What are some of the things we started that we never ended up finishing? When it comes to God, maybe we need to make a dedication to say, I'm going to finish the things that I start. So, Lord, when you, when you bring me to a small group, I'm going to carry that whole thing through. When you, when you lead me to talk to a neighbor or a friend about you, I'm going to make sure that I do it. Start a habit of finishing. You need to understand when it comes to your spiritual life, finishing isn't a gift, it's work. You need to understand in your spiritual life, you need to move from maybe following God just so you don't go to hell, but following God so that you can just honor him and bless him, that following him is a response of the love that he's already shown you. It's okay to start following God because you're afraid of this place called hell. I am too. If there isn't, if there, okay, I am too. But that can't be the sole motivation. You, you, you got to grow up a little bit. You got to mature a little bit. So, Jesus, I'm not serving you today because of all the things you've done in my life. I believe you're continuing to do great things in my life. And I'm going to serve you today because of who you are in me and who I want you to be in everyone else. Do the one, three, five with God. What is one big thing, Lord? you want to do in my life? What are three medium things? What are five small things that maybe I completely overlook? I've never even seen. It's in my blind spot. What are those things you want me to work on? You can come up with your idea of your one, three, five. Just understand, God has an idea of the one, three, five, two. Be better to go with his plan. You can start with yours. Understand when it comes to God, your intentions and your actions don't always equal and that you need to put forth some effort to reconcile those things. God, this is who I've wanted to be. This is who I am. God knows and God's been faithful. Why? Because God knows it's a process. It's a journey. You aren't finished yet and I'm not finished with you yet. 
One last thing I want you to consider is taking opportunities and things in your life and categorizing them as either experiments or commitments. An experiment, that's kind of something if it works out, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. There's not much investment in the game. A commitment, there's, there's a whole bunch more skin in the game when it comes to a commitment. There's, there's much more of yourself involved in that. If a commitment doesn't work out, then, then there's trouble. You are all in when it comes to a commitment. Some of us need to move from experimenting with God to committing with God. It's hard to become a finished product if you can't commit to the process. As long as it's an experiment, you'll come in, in and out of that relationship whenever it pleases you. Whenever you get what you want, you'll turn around and leave and pack up, honey, because we're going home. We'll leave Jesus on the mountainside. Jesus, I'll come see you when something else happens. When you're committed, hey, Jesus, what else you got? What else you got for me? I heard you fed, you fed a whole bunch of people, 5,000 people one day. There's less of us here today. There's only 4,000. I bet you you can do that for me too. Lord, the, the joy, the work that you've brought into their life, I want you to do that in me too. You're, you're committed to saying, Jesus, I want you to finish the process that you began. What a wonderful, wonderful place that would be. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, today, we're doing a lot of <laughs> self-evaluating. Looking at our connections and our relationships with people that are on either side of us, maybe people at work, people at home. And Lord, we're not stopping there. We're also evaluating our relationship and connection with you. Lord, there's some people today that need to start experimenting with you. They have needs. They have issues. They have problems. Lord, it's like they're a quadriplegic on the inside. Hardly able to function Lord, I pray that you would encourage them to just try you out, to test, to see how faithful you are. And Lord, we know you're going to hold up to your, your side of the bargain. Lord, there's others of us that we've been experimenting with you for a long time. And it's time for us to commit, to commit to this process of finishing of allowing you to finish the good work that you've started in us maybe a year ago, maybe 28 years ago. Lord, help us to be faithful on our part. Help our intentions and our actions to equal when it comes to you, to equal when it comes to the relationships that we have with one another. You can keep your 
heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, Tommy, I got some problems, I got some issues, I got some things I need God's help with, and I'm ready to kick the tires with Jesus. I'm ready to experiment and just see what, what he has for me. I need him to work in my life. I'm much like those people just bringing needs, throwing it at Jesus' feet, and I need his help. Is there anyone that would raise your hand and say, I'm ready to do that? All right, I see those hands. That's awesome. That's awesome. What I would encourage you to do is in your own words, in your own words, just commit to that and say, Jesus, I'm ready to experiment with you. I'm ready to take this first step with you. I'm ready to take this first step. I'm ready to make you Lord and Savior of my life and start this process of the good work that you have for me. There's also many of you that you're here today and you need to make a commitment. Say, I'm, I'm in this thing, Lord. I'm in this thing for the long haul. If that's you, just want to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just want, just want to pray with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. I want to let you know, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because Jesus isn't finished with us yet. Thank you, Jesus, for the time we were able to spend with each other. In your glorious and holy name, amen.